Welcome to the Global Hemophilia Report, a podcast led by science, curiosity, and storytelling. Produced by Believe Limited and Bloodstream Media and supported through advertisements by Sanofi. I'm Patrick James Lynch, your host and resident person with hemophilia. Thanks for tuning in to episode 17. Our topic today, hemophilia camps, evidence of benefits. We kick off the episode right after this quick word from our featured advertiser. Sanofi seeks to break barriers for people with hemophilia through groundbreaking science so they can live beyond the limitations of their condition. Learn more about Sanofi's commitment at sanofihemophilia.com. Daddy, what is homesick? John asked as he was getting ready for his first summer camp experience. The brochure did mention that some kids may get homesick. Dad said, homesick means that you might miss your room. You might think about me and mommy, Sophia and Coco. Although his older sister could go to summer camps, John couldn't go until now. He has hemophilia A. And many camp organizers don't fully understand what that means. For John... Those junkyard wars, water balloon fights, and other similar camp activities could lead to bleeds. And plus, Mom worried that the other kids often didn't know what it was like to live with hemophilia. They might make fun of John. He had never been to a summer camp before. But this year, Mom found a summer camp for children with hemophilia and other bleeding disorders. John was excited as he packed his backpack for summer camp. Although today, summer camp for kids with hemophilia is a reality, that was not always the case. So how did these summer camps for children with hemophilia begin? What is the value of these camps? And what do parents and community members need to know about camps for children with bleeding disorders? To discuss, today we have with us an expert panel, including medical professionals, camp organizers, researchers, and patients. I will now invite them to introduce themselves. Sarah, would you like to start? Yes, my name is Sarah Schinkman. I am the program director for the New England Hemophilia Association, and I'm based in the great state of Maine. So I first attended a hemophilia camp in the summer of 2018. At the time, I was working for the Hemophilia Federation of America, HFA, and I had the privilege to attend Neha's family camp as a camp counselor that year, working specifically with the teenage group. So then in 2020, I had the opportunity to take on the job as Neha's program director. And with that came the big shoes to fill as camp director. And to say that I was nervous for this would be an understatement, but I decided to jump right in and and it's been an amazing experience since then. So I have led Neha's family camp for three years to expect the unexpected (laughs) to help respond to things, whether it's a global pandemic or it is a bee sting. I'm ready for the challenge. My name is Mike Wong. I'm a professor of pediatrics and the director of the Hemophilia and Thrombosis Center here at the University of Colorado. My background started back in 2009 when I first joined the Hemophilia Center. We as a Hemophilia Center are very closely allied with our NHF chapter who sponsors our camp and that was my first experience of going to camp and of trying to organize camp and since that time our involvement with um, our, our mile high camp has only increased. 
My name is Pat Torrey. I am the CEO and founder of Gut Monkey, and Gut Monkey is an adventure education company that works specifically with folks with chronic health conditions. I started, I actually started my work in the bleeding disorder community, and Gut Monkey became a, a manifested from initial work with bleeding disorder camps. I have I tried to think about this a little bit. I've, I know that I've been to well over 30 bleeding disorder camps around the country. And when myself or somebody else from Gut Monkey shows up, we are either running a, a staff training for the staff that are running the camp. We are bringing in a team program, or sometimes we come in and assist a camp in sort of an overall like piece of programming for the week. So we've themed many a week of camp for bleeding disorder camps around the country. Hi, I'm Tracy Gaslin. I, I am fortunate to serve as the chief executive officer for the Alliance for Camp Health. And I also am a nurse practitioner in the Hemophilia Treatment Center in Kentucky. I went to Hemophilia Camp the first year. So I'm a nurse who loves IV therapy and love IV therapy skills. And that was just right up my alley. So they were like, you're a good stick. Come to camp. And I said, okay, sure. <laughs> so in 1996, I show up at camp and we were in a little area in Tennessee. It was lovely. We're right on the lake. And it really hit me like, oh, camp, like this experience is really powerful. This experience is really where kids get the only opportunity that I still know of to spend an extended period of time with others like them. But that's what we all want to do, whether it's your friends or my friends. We all want to spend time with people who've had similar life experiences, similar life struggles. We also have with us Chris Bombardier, who has served as a camp counselor as an adult. But as a child, he did not have a chance to attend a summer camp. Oh, man. Camp has tremendous benefit for kids with hemophilia. One of the things that I missed and I didn't realize I was missing when I was a kid was that being able to talk to somebody that had the similar experiences, shared experiences as me, someone that I could confide in with like my fears with having hemophilia. I didn't have that outlet. I didn't feel like anybody understood me. And when I went to camp as a counselor, as an adult, that was the most profound thing I saw is you didn't have to explain yourself to anybody there about what hemophilia was, you know, what infusing was. People didn't have the judgment about it. You got to just really be your authentic self and then also talk about those challenges that they actually understand and can relate to that nobody else could. And so I think I might have that first year at camp gained more than any of the kids at camp did. It was a really profound kind of life shifting moment for me, realizing that there is this strong community out there that can help you in so many ways, so many important ways. And I think it's so valuable that kids can have that outlet at a young age, just even if they don't need to use it at the beginning, but knowing it's out there, knowing that there's support, I think is so critical. Working with a group of pretty young kids and we had framed in this experience around the idea that that life could be a lot like playing a game of poker and specifically around building self-confidence and that if you have a lot of poker chips, it's really easy to live big and do the things that you want to do and bet big in your game. If you have a lot of self-confidence, it's often the same way. You can. It's a lot easier to live big and do the things that you want versus if you don't have a lot of 
poker chips, you tend to be pretty conservative, or if you don't have a lot of self-confidence, you tend to hold back and that we can build that self-confidence by getting out of our comfort zone and trying new things. And then we said, and here's a new thing. And we gave them this opportunity to do this ropes course activity. And it was called the flying squirrel. It's one where a kid gets connected to their harness, to this rope, and everybody pulls the rope and they basically fly up in the air like Superman and it's amazing and they love it. But they get to choose how high they go. So this one kid said, hey, I want to go partway. I want to go quick, but partway. Great. Kid did it, came down. And again, this is, we're talking like an eight or nine year old. And my camp name is Big Dog. At a lot of camps, you have camp names, but it's Big Dog. And he said, hey, Big Dog, hey, guess what? And I was like, what? And he said, I just did that thing and I went halfway. And you know what? I think I got some more chips. And I was like, that's awesome, man. That's great. You got more chips. What are you going to do with those chips? You know what? I'm pretty scared of those horses down there. But today when we go to the horses, I'm going to ride the horse. And I'm like, that's great. And he went. And a little bit later that day, he came back, found me and said, hey, Big Duck, guess what? I went on the flying squirrel and I got more chips. And then I went to the horses. I rode that horse and guess what? I got more chips. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. What are you going to do now? He's like, I want to do that flying squirrel again. And this time I want to go all the way. And I was like, that's fabulous. And that was the moment where we were then able to say, where else could you use those chips? You've been doing some great stuff at the health house this week too. Is there any place there where you could use those chips? And it was like, oh man, I bet my chips are going to be there. Those are even going to help me in my process of doing my self infusion now. And we were like, I bet they are. I'm so excited to hear about what happens there. And then that kid went throughout his week and had a great experience, both riding horses and doing the flying squirrel again, as well as doing his self infusion. So I think that to have these potent experiences where they can be related back to real life skills of more effectively managing your healthcare independently, specifically your bleeding disorder provides pretty unique and unmatched experience for folks that, that haven't been to bleeding disorder camps. In that process, they opened the door for us to really do what we do well as nurses, nursing professionals, because what we do well is the therapeutic relationship, is the comprehensive care model, is saying sitting at the campfire roasting the marshmallow is nursing care. Walking along with a kid to the swimming pool, doing swimming lessons, playing archery, getting in the canoe, that is nursing care. And so I also love to take students when I go to camp because I can stand back and say, see that right there? Don't miss that magic that's happening right there at camp. That's the magic of camping over there and over there. And it is about the relationship building and how you build community because we are communal people. We are built for relationships. And if we don't lean back into that, especially now in this time of mental, emotional, social health crisis for our youth, there's not a more important time to do that than where we sit right now. Indeed. And that brings me to my next question about community. What value do these camps bring to our community? There are so many values of camp. It's hard to describe in one podcast, but... But Sarah gives it a shot right after this quick break. Hemophilia A and B are both bleeding disorders. However, they have their own unique pathologies and clinical features, which makes them inherently different. 
Preclinical studies have shown that after infusion, individuals have three times more factor IX in the extravascular space than they do in the bloodstream. Due to the distinct behavior of factor IX, multiple pharmacokinetic or PK parameters should be considered when assessing the treatment and management of hemophilia B. So what does this mean for people with hemophilia? Visit the bigger picture in hemeb.com to see how a broader view of PK may influence hemophilia B treatment. That's the bigger picture in hemb.com. This site is intended for US HCPs only. Welcome back. Okay, Sarah, what you got? I think the greatest value of camp is that it gives families and kids the opportunity to disconnect from their worlds outside of the camp immersive environment and reconnect with others who have a shared experience. There's so much value in kind of turning off everything else that we have in our lives and really turning on that camp environment that is so special to people and I would say unique to other things that people have in their lives, other activities or other commitments that they have. So Niha's family camp is also unique in that it's a family camp. A lot of bleeding disorders camps nationwide are specifically for kids uh, or for teens, whereas ours involves kids as young as infancy through their teenage years and then their families come and siblings as well. Bringing together the whole family also has great value. I think if there's one thing I've learned about bleeding disorders, it's that they affect the whole family. It's not just the person who has bleeding disorder themselves. And so creating this environment where we are solely focused on providing better management for the care of a bleeding disorder and bringing in all people who are involved in that is a really special experience. And we do that through camp. And definitely the there's so much value in that, bringing the family together and disconnecting from other things so that we can actually really reconnect with the people and a place that matters to us. I think that parents and caregivers get a, a number of valuable things. For one, I think f for many, it is the first time that they have actually been separated from their child and they've let somebody else care for them. And I do think that's important because I do believe that our patients really want independence and they want to, to be trusted with, with the management of their own illnesses. And so I think that is one really important thing. I think the other thing that, that parents get is this assurance that their child is getting a little bit of extra education and experience with the care of themselves that you don't typically get when you have a, a comprehensive clinic visit. And then finally, I think that they also get to see their children make really lasting and deep friendships with other people that, you know, who are very similar to them. And I think that's invaluable. We have quite a bit of data. We've done numerous national studies. We work with the American Camp Association very closely, and we've done studies around healthy camps. It's called a healthy camp study about the value of camp in collaboration and camaraderie and connectedness and being in nature. So several studies have existed in the youth impact study. It was a five-year longitudinal study that American Camp Association just did talking about the benefit of camp for youth and what that looks like. So lots of powerful data to support why we as human relational beings need human relational community experiences. And that through those community-based experiences like camp, 
kids really learn. We call them what SELs, and we look we call them soft skills: how to communicate, collaborate, talk. Those things are powerful. I guess the when I think about the work that Save One Life does in developing countries, one of the activities we try and support is actually supporting camps, <clears throat> and those are for. Generally, young people with bleeding disorders, but can be into the teen years, mid-teens. There's a few aspects of that program that I truly love. One is it gets to build community and bring people together in the same way that we do in the U.S. and maybe other countries in Europe. Things You get to have that bond, that community building, that that connection, and then that sharing about like personal struggles, that shared struggle that that really brings out this amazing strength in everyone. Uh, but one of the great parts about camp too is we try and provide factor for the campers there so that they can participate in in camp that whole week without or weekend or few days without having to think about having hemophilia for those days, having that escape, that chance to move on, not move on, but you know, not have that as the concern. You get to be a normal kid for hours, days. And I think that's super powerful to see, but it's also an opportunity for the treatment centers there to show them how to do some physical therapy at home, small exercises. And we're not talking, they don't have the equipment to do all these fancy exercises, but resistance bands. And it's a good opportunity for them to help encourage kids to keep moving their bodies, even though a lot of them have some pretty significant joint damage, keeping muscle strength up, keeping flexibility that will be what can help protect their bodies as well. And it's this really challenging balance that we used to see in the United States many years ago, but we're they're still navigating right now in these countries. So yeah, I love that we're getting to support those camps and those programs and trying to expand it this year, actually, to, to allow more countries to, to get to experience that. But I love that culture and that opportunity is getting to be built in other places. And I hope it continues and I get hope that those communities get to grow strength together. And I think that's what it really leads to advances in care and better access is when you have a strong base of patients that believe in each other and believe that they deserve better care. So yeah, that's something that I really enjoy looking at in one of our programs we don't talk about a lot, but I'm pretty proud of. It's true. Camps offer enriching experiences. But what about the risks? So far, we've discussed the value of camps for children and their families, but let's switch gears. What are the risks associated with camps for kids with hemophilia and bleeding disorders? Yeah, I think that, again, it's that multi-layered place of any camp is going to have risks because we're going to be giving kids things to do that are different than just like sitting down and looking at a screen or sitting down and like working on their homework. Because of that, you've got national organizations that set up really amazing standards like the American Camp Association that set up these standards to make sure that camps are operating in a way that 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 does mitigate risk that does make sure that um, their archery space has people that are trained that are running it and has the appropriate equipment and that there is enough time given to the event so that we're never rushing and that same thing is going to happen for the ropes course and for the general facilities or the horseback riding program or whatever it is that those folks are engaging in and so we've got policies and procedures we then look at for kids with bleeding disorders that are coming to camp 
there's that interesting mix of when so many of these camps started now 30, 40 plus years ago, the idea behind the camp was really like, let's give kids a space where they could just feel normal, where they could just have a week where they could just do what everybody else would normally do uh, to the point where the, the hole in the wall gang camp started by Paul Newman. Paul Newman's line was, I just want to create a space where kids can come and raise a little hell. But like that was his whole mission around it. And so we want kids to be able to come in and have that normal experience. We want them to be able to ride horses and go on the ropes course and have an experience with a bow and arrow and sleep in bunks and all of that. But with that said, we want to be really thoughtful about our programming, the choices that we're making, and are the things that we're choosing going to be things that are going to support the health, ongoing health, and lessons about what kids can learn about how to use their bodies and manage their own bleeding disorder from having those experiences. I think there are some more obvious risks, like teaching young children how to stick themselves with a needle through self-infusion. <laughs> that is definitely something when I first started attending bleeding disorders camp, I thought, oh gosh, I can't imagine a young child sticking themselves with a needle. I can't even imagine doing that. And I am well beyond my youth years. So that is a big risk in itself. We work with our hemophilia treatment centers to make a plan for who is going to be there from their nursing staff in order to run infusion class. And that is critical to make sure that we've got plenty of people who are there who are able to provide that education to ensure the safety of our kids. We don't want anyone going into a self-infusion class without the proper training and making sure that they have the resources that they need to be successful. Not only is it important for the actual state, the stick itself, but also for the confidence piece. A lot of kids, when they're learning to manage their care, really one of the biggest barriers to doing infusion is confidence, is being concerned about what that's going to feel like and what that's going to look like. And if we go into it without really having proper planning, proper training and the staff in place, then that could create an even further delay for someone building those skills to independence. And so I think that medical side is really important and it can be a huge risk if it's not done correctly. I think another challenge or risk is certainly that kids come to camp from all different backgrounds with different experiences. And that can be a challenge when we're only working with them for a few short days. We have an amazing group of counselors, many of whom were campers themselves, who come with a wide variety of experience in working with children and who are really eager to help provide a meaningful experience to our kids. Not all teenagers are the same. Some teenagers have had experiences which lend themselves to more maturity and other kids it's just that their life experiences are different. And we really want to make sure that we meet kids where they are and we take into account the skills that will help them be most successful at camp. So I think you going back to your question about how do we prepare for these, one way we do that is in our camp application. We're always interested to learn what interests the kids have, what skills they have, maybe what previous experiences would contribute to how they behave or respond in a camp setting. And we use all of that to really create individual plans for each kid to make sure they can be successful at camp. 
Um, so what may, what might work for one kid, it might look different for another kid. And so using those advanced plans, working with our counselors and our other staff, we're able to put kids together in certain groups, or we're able to help provide more support for a certain kid who maybe needs a little extra handholding um, to help them be successful at camp. At the end of the day, any risks that we have, we are really eager to overcome them in a way that's productive for the child, that ensures their safety, and that helps them to step outside of their comfort zone without going so far that they wouldn't want to come back to camp. So it's definitely a delicate balance and a bit of a dance, but I do strong preparation, we can get there. And I think oftentimes our kids who have the greatest barriers to overcome often are the most successful at camp because they see this as an opportunity to do something that's really different from what they've done before. And they want to take advantage of that opportunity. I think that's one of the things that makes it so special. Sarah, if you were speaking to a skeptical parent, what's your pitch for camp? That's a great question. First of all, I should say I was that skeptic in 2018 thinking to myself, what have I gotten myself into? When I first came to camp and they were training me on songs, I had to sing in front of the campfire and telling me about the activities that we were about to embark on. I thought, gosh, I just don't know if this is for me. I'm somebody who likes to camp but it feels a little bit like this is a world for which I don't belong. And the more that I invested in camp and the more present I was in that week, the more that I found that I benefited from that camp experience. I've always been one to try to live under the saying, the more you put into it, the more you get out of it. And I think that's very much true for camp. It is an experience for people who have not been to camp before that may be different, but I think about all the experiences in your life in which you have been skeptical, unsure, you know, been nervous about that and the rewards that came through participating. That's what camp is. It's stepping outside of your comfort zone and stepping into something that I think parents and kids alike find can really be one of the greatest experiences of their life if they get into it. Um, camp is magical. It is unlike anything else that you've done before. It's silly. It's fun. It can be very emotional. But it is, at the end of the day, it's a space that you will carry with you well beyond being in the woods for a week. It's just a, it's a really meaningful experience for kids and families alike. The first thing I would tell them is that it's safe. I would ask them specifically what their reluctance was, and I would try to address that as well. And then I would tell them many of the benefits that we have discussed so far. I think that without parents being able to watch camp and participate in camp, oftentimes they really don't know what happens at camp. And so I would also go through that between the educational functions, if applicable, the infusion teaching function, but, but also just all the activities and fun that their children will have. I'll point it out to you over and over again, the magic of camp, right? Because it happens over the lunch hour when two kids are sitting together talking about their favorite activity, and it happens at the lakefront, and it happens here, and it happens here. And we just literally provide space and safe space right? Safe space is key because safe space equals brave space. You have to have a safe space for people to be brave. 
And so they know they're going to come to camp and it's a very safe space to be you, to express ideas and for us to then teach them how the sharing of ideas could look different so that the skill is better. But I doubt, I can't think of anything off the top of my head that was quote surprising, but just wonderfully affirming to say, we know that camp is a powerful space. We know that camp is community, connectedness, collaboration, peer engagement, and self-learning and growth. That all those things happen over and over at camp all across the country for our youth. So we have discussed the value of camp and some of the risks associated with camp. But now for perhaps the most important part, what makes camp not just valuable, but unforgettable, irreplaceable for a young person with hemophilia? We hear from our contributors right after one more quick break. Preclinical studies have shown that after infusion, individuals have three times more factor IX in the extravascular space than they do in the bloodstream. Due to this distinct behavior, trough alone may not provide a full picture of factor IX activity and should be one of multiple ways we measure factor in the body. It's time to look at the bigger picture to see why a more complete assessment of pharmacokinetic or PK parameters is important. Visit thebiggerpictureinhemeb.com to learn how multiple PK parameters can play a role in hemophilia B treatment and management. That's thebiggerpictureinhemb.com. This site is intended for U.S. HCPs only. Welcome back. Okay, Sarah, do you have a favorite camp story? Yes, I love camp stories. I would say... One, one of the stories for me that really demonstrates why camp matters is from our camp last year. We had done a lot of preparation to ensure the safety of our families as we were coming off of COVID. And we were concerned about the number of campers who were coming, some of the different management strategies to ensure safety. There was so much that went into creating a safe environment. And then of course, all the programming and trying to bring back in the traditions that we've done in the past. It felt like there was a lot riding on our camp last year. And at the very end of camp, our final night, we do a campfire and a slideshow. And we also give out awards to campers who have met the milestone of self-infusion. And at our final song, our dismissal song, we had a group of young girls who all came up on their own organically. It's like they rose from the ashes of the fire and they circled around where our camp counselors who were leading the song, they started swaying together. And, and then as they got up, we saw all of the other families in the circle get up as well. And it was such a beautiful experience where almost everyone in the camp stood up at the same time, was able to move as they were able to, and created this beautiful circle. It really was layers of a circle around the campfire. And watching this group of people come together in this way where, as I said earlier, bleeding disorders are about the whole family. So it was all people from a family coming together, both individual families and then the greater Neha family coming together in this space to celebrate this week of camp after coming off of a tough time with COVID and all the precautions and things that we were doing. I think for me, that was a demonstration 
that camp really is a place where people bond and share an experience and strengthen connections that is unlike any other experience that we have in our lives. And for me, that's really the magic of camp. It's a place that's really outside of anything else that we do, but it's also a place that we hold in our hearts and we bring with us outside of the camp environment that we can always have with us. And I think that's really what makes it such a special experience. So I'll always have that image of these kids getting up, standing around the campfire, moving together in one, and and that's family, and that's family camp. And I really don't think you could ask for anything better than that moment of real unity. And that's what makes camp special. Yeah, I think there are lots of, of camp stories that are really memorable. I think they fall into two, two buckets, really. They're the ones that uh, I think are for what camp is about. I have countless memories of friendships being made, uh, a helping hand being lent, camaraderie. And I think that those actually, when I thought back on this, stand out the most to me. The flip side is that there are camp stories, right? There are people getting bitten by chipmunks. There are the first times of all, of all kinds of, of, of playfulness, which is great, which is also great to see. We always say, if I'd have known I was going to be doing this long, I should have started a book years ago. There's so many stories. I had one little girl that came to camp and we were, of course, at camp, we teach our hemophilia patients how to self-infuse. It's a really important piece historically for them to be as independent. Again, youth need to learn and want to gain independence from their parents, want to be able to take care of self, be their own person. That's part of that normal development as well. And she came to camp and her mom said, look, she can't give her own medicine and she she doesn't like spaghetti. I said, okay, we can handle that. We're golden. This is easy. So the first night of camp for us was always spaghetti with no utensils, right? So everybody gets a plate of spaghetti. We all face plant. We have spaghetti all over our face. So I walked over to her and I said, I call her Sally. I said, hey, Sally, what can I fix you to eat? Here's our other options of what I can fix you to eat. And she said, no, I'm going to do this. I'm going to have spaghetti. I was like, great. Have a, have a great time. She dived in with everybody else, did spaghetti, right? Go about the week, first day of camp and where everybody's self-infusing and we call it the blood brother room. We're all sitting around together and everybody's infusing together and you can, it's just a very powerful, intimate, supportive environment, right? When we're all there infusing together and we practice some with her, she practiced, I let her practice on different devices. And then she, she finally decided she wanted to stick herself and she did, and she did great. And then when she got her factor later in the week, she was able to do it again without much help. And was we, we do a lot of cheering. We do a lot of rewarding and because that's huge when you have six and seven and eight year olds who are able to self-infuse and go home to do that. So anyway, mom picks her up. I said, I think she had a great time at camp. If you have questions, please let me know. She said, okay. So I didn't hear anything. And about three days later, the mother calls me. She said, Tracy, this is Sally's mom. I said, hey, how are you? How's Sally? She said, fine, but you don't understand. I said, okay, I've screwed up somewhere. It's always the, what did I mess up on call? She said, but you don't understand. I said, please explain to me, help me out, help me here. She said, I sent my child to camp to you, not eating spaghetti and not taking care of herself. And she said, she came home and asked for spaghetti. She said, and this is the first time my child's been able to spend the night with another friend. Any last thoughts about summer camps before we bring this episode to a close? 
Oh, goodness. That's a big question. There are so many things about camps for youth who've had additional struggles, right? Who've had additional hurdles they've had to walk through, overcome on a daily basis, and learn to navigate a different normal, a different normalcy. I think camp can continue to lean into how do we promote a developmental experience for each and every youth where they are and helping them recognize and us recognize that they are perfectly okay wherever they're doing and whatever they are. That you don't have to do, there's not a requirement in your life to do this or this thing. Let's find your track. Let's find your interest. Let's find your passion. And then we can walk alongside you. Our job is to partner with youth, right? We're not going to manage people. Managing people says, I'm here and you're, I'm on the top and you're on the bottom. I'm going to manage the situation. And I always say to people, no, we're not. We're going to walk side by side. We're going to partner with that individual, that youth, that peer. And when we do research around the chronic health conditions, we begin to understand what are those additional hurdles, right? What does partnership look like with them? Because when I'm partnering with a kid in a wheelchair, I have to be very a perfect. A little simple example is I have to be very conscious of the fact that when I'm speaking with them, sit down, don't stand and talk, sit down, get on their level. We talk about that in therapeutic communication in nursing school, but we don't really think about it, right? When I have a kid who walks with a limp or has an altered gait or needs to go more slowly, I need to be prepared for that, right? How do I get up to where I can walk alongside them and partner through that experience? What if they can't climb the climbing wall? What can they do? And what is their interest in doing? So really leaning in and listening, we call that the human-centered design. So we talk about human-centered design, it's leaning in and listening, right? And be present for whatever it is they want to learn to do to help the kid understand that they are important, they are valued, and they're really cared for where we are today, exactly as they are. And whatever the situation is, you're safe, you're loved, you're respected right now, here today, because of your human-centered design. It's a beautiful way, it's a beautiful space to be in with youth. And they're really good at making us stay in that space too, which is always the joy of the experience. Yeah, I think, yeah, one of the greatest benefits of attending bleeding disorders camp is that you are surrounded by people who have a shared experience. And for a lot of people within the bleeding disorders community, given that it is a relatively small community, unless you're attending an event for people with bleeding disorders, there's probably not going to be a lot of other places in your life where you're connecting with others on a meaningful level about having chronic disorder or bleeding disorder specifically. And camp provides that space for people. It's really a place where you can go and have conversations with others, um, learn about different experiences, and encourage your child to do something that's different or step outside of their comfort zone. It's a place where young people have the opportunity to see their peers or older kids who have bleeding disorders do something that they never thought that they could do. And those kind of connections and those experiences, I think, shape so many people within our community and encourage them to then go on and be leaders or be more adherent to the, their treatment. Camp is really a, it is almost like planting a seed. And through that seed, there's so much that grows from it. And in the short time that I've involved in bleeding disorders community, I have found that whenever I talk to people about what their experiences have been, camp is always foundational in that experience. 
And for a lot of our, a lot of our young people in particular, it's what keeps them involved and invested. And in think, thinking about that investment, that's what then in, helps them to be to take responsibility for the care of their bleeding disorder, to be more confident as an advocate, and to really then want to come back and give back for future generations. And it all starts with camp. So that's really the magic. That's what makes it special is knowing that investment is there and you want to keep coming back for more of that. I think that maybe if this is an introduction to camp and all camps are different, but I think that who goes to camp that are campers? For our camp, we have nurses and we have physicians and we have advanced practice practitioners and physical therapists who are embedded within activities and social workers. And I feel like you get to also see your hemophilia treatment center work as a team, but not just a clinical team, but really as a different kind of team that can hopefully show that we support your child in, in, in every way possible. Yeah, I think the one other thing that I would say, and that's it's just kind of an add-on to the last question, is that there's a I think that there's a benefit for parents that are parents of kids with bleeding disorders when they send their kid to camp, they have to let go and they have to open up that space for their kid to be more independent, and that will more positively impact their experience of providing more independence for their kid in other workplaces in their life. And Bleeding Disorder Camp, with the amount of expertise that is there, is one of, I think, one of the easiest places to do that because it's there are so many pieces to it that have been thought through specifically for kids with bleeding disorders. And I know we're talking generally about summer camp, but there's a lot of chapters around the country that also have family camps. And to be able to attend a family camp and be in a space where you can then see other kids with other families, with kids with bleeding disorders that are running fast and doing the activities and pushing. If you are one of those families that tends to be a little more hesitant about that, there is so much that you can take and ah, let go of just by having the experience of realizing, oh, this is all of these other families' reality that are like our family there might be another option for us that allows some more flexibility, some more independence, some more activity, some more fun, where we didn't have to necessarily be anxious about this. And why are we anxious? Because we care about our kid. That's all totally normal and that should be there. And to be able to have the experience where you can recognize, man, I can care about my kid and create the space for them to be independent and create the space for them to get bumped about a little bit and be okay, that's a pretty, I've seen that be a very freeing experience for a lot of parents. The only thing I'd like to maybe include, I think it's really important for people to also think, realize that if even if you don't participate in sports, doesn't mean you're a failure in any way. If you have hemophilia, like sports just may not be your thing. There may be some other drivers that move you forward and excite you and I don't want people to think that just because they're not physically active in sports or climbing mountains that it in any way means they're like failing at being a person with hemophilia. I think there's a distinction that need that could be made of sports are good, sports are healthy, maybe not for everybody, but physical health is something that we should always keep in mind as people with hemophilia. 
Even if you don't want to play sports, you need to take care of your body, protect it from bleeds, protect it from damage. So I just want to make that like distinction in, in that you don't have to do all the crazy sports if it's not in your personality, like if it, which is the case for some people. Yeah, just uh, there's lots of avenues to stay healthy, which I think is also important to note. That was well said, and I couldn't agree more. As we approach the end of this episode, I would just like to pause for a moment to give a special shout out to all the camp organizers and counselors out there who are making camps possible all around the world. Thank you for what you do. Now let's do a quick recap. We talked about the value of camp to patients. In these summer camps, children with hemophilia or other bleeding disorders learn new skills and have opportunities for new experiences, such as horseback riding, in an environment that is safe and adapted for them. They also have the opportunity to make new friends and feel social support. We also discussed the value of camps to parents and the greater community, the immersive environment that camp allows, its ability to bring families together, creating lifelong bonds and connections. And importantly, there is research data to support the value of camp and camp activities. Our experts also shared their thoughts about the risks and ways to minimize those risks. And they shared their favorite camp stories, which, if you've had the pleasure of attending a camp yourself, I bet it brought one of your memories back too. And do you recall that we started the episode with John and his question about homesickness? I can almost hear some of you wondering out there, hey, what happened to John? Did he go to camp? Did he get homesick? Well, turns out John wasn't homesick much during his camp stay. He enjoyed summer camp quite a lot. On his first day of camp, he wasn't sure that he could manage his injections. Usually, mom would do it for him. But the camp counselor and the nursing staff helped him learn. John was then able to do the scavenger hunt, roast marshmallows, and go fishing with his cabin mates. And by the end of camp, John was able to do his injections all by himself. He even has a big stick award in his bedroom to prove it. And that is a wrap for episode 17 of the Global Hemophilia Report. Thank you for joining us on our entertaining and informative evidence-based journey through the value of camps. Thank you to our contributors, as well as to our senior advisor, Dr. Donna D. McKelly. And of course, thank you to our featured advertiser, Sanofi. We'll be back next month with another important episode. I am your host, Patrick James Lynch, and until next time. Sanofi is committed to bringing new perspectives and bold innovations to the global hemophilia community. Learn more about how Sanofi is committed to breaking barriers and supporting the community at sanofihemophilia.com.